Everybody have a good day too. Everybody tired? Good. I'm really glad. I, um, I confessed to somebody the other day, I stay up really late. I'm, I, I don't know why. That's the dumbest thing to do. I know a lot of y'all stay up really late. Y'all are just dumb for doing that. Um, but I stay up super late uh, and, and I read bedtime stories to myself. Um, and I know that sounds really awkward and childish, but uh, my particular bedtime stories of choice uh, during Mission Week um, is I'll, I'll get onto uh, Twitter uh, and Instagram and I will follow the hashtags and just read um, everybody, adults, students, um, and, and what y'all post. And, you know, just to see the different ways that, that God is, is working in each one of you. Uh, it's amazing stuff. The funny stuff, I, sometimes I, I, I laugh. <laughs> I LOL, literally. Um, <laughs> And, and Nathan and I are sleeping in the same room, and I, I wonder at times if I keep him awake because uh, I'm giggling in my bed at some of the stuff. It's super funny. And then there's other things that I, I, I see that people post the way God's working in them, and I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's interesting. Like the way God spoke to them that day, I was, it, it was nothing that I said. It was nothing that was sung by the band. It was just a way that God touched them that day. And that preaches to me. That's amazing stuff, and, and so tonight, can't wait to do that again, um, and when everything's all said and done, and it gets quiet around here, and uh, get to get to read the, the tweets, and, and, the, and see the pictures on Instagram, it's just, it's amazing that that, I mean, social media can be used for so many things, and so many annoying things, but it also gets used for something like that, I think that's huge, something we didn't have, you know, 10 years ago, that we have now, that really connects us in that way. Um, so I just wanted to mention that, that, you know, you may think it's just a simple tweet or something, but that blesses people. It does. It blesses people. And you have friends and family who couldn't be here with you, who couldn't experience this with you, maybe because they had work or, or maybe because, um, they had a a different thing, a vacation or a, a camp that was planned. Maybe they were too nervous or scared, right? They heard sleep on the floor. They heard power tools. They heard outside in the heat. And they thought, no, nah, I'm out. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. I don't know. Um, and now they get to be at home and they get to be blessed and touched by the things that you write. That's amazing stuff. I think it's great. That was a side note. I don't know why I said that, but I just felt like the need to say that, um, that you really do bless me in that way. And, and you are blessing others uh, when you do that stuff. Um, but like I said last night, like we said on Sunday, we're talking about gardens, right? That's enough about Twitter. We're talking about gardens. We're talking about gardens because Jesus told this parable, and, and he, found, he found it important to talk about things growing. found it important to talk about seeds and soil. He found it important to talk about that because it should draw our attention, at least to the people he was talking to in his day, to draw their attention back to a garden that everybody knew about and that many of us know about here. Well, if you've been in here and awake at any point in time, I've said it a couple of times, so now you are aware that there was a garden named Eden. And that's when God created all things and he called them good and they were working and moving just as he imagined them. 
Now, if you continue reading that story, somewhere along the way, uh, Adam and Eve find a way to mess things up, uh, which we as humans typically do. Um, But God didn't give up on that. From that point forward, he is seeking to reconcile his creation back to him, to recreate this Garden of Eden, not to destroy or wipe out all of creation, but that his creation take part in the recreating of what once was. talking about gardens because that's God's will and intention for us and his world and his creation. We're talking about gardens and and this sower who we imagine to be God, distributing this seed out to all people, all types of paths, all walks of life. This seed, this, this Jesus, this love, this truth, this word that God is, is giving to his creation Though it may be tiny, though it may seem insignificant, this little seed has great potential. If it could only reach the soil, the heart of his people. If this little seed can reach the heart of its people, it will grow up. It will transform into this this mighty living thing that produces fruit that contains more seed. And then that living thing that sprouts up in that person and that creation begins distributing seed as well, taking part in the work of the sower. Isn't that interesting? That, That we, as God's creation, God, the creator of all things, we here in this room have the potential to take part in the work of our creator. That's amazing stuff. And that's, the, that's what Jesus is saying here. That he wants this love and truth, this word that God has, the, the, the truth that we witness and we read about in his son Christ, he wants that to take root in our hearts so that we can take part in his work. Last night we talked about the path, right? That was the first of the, of the soils that were mentioned. The path that, uh, that they throw the seed on and the birds come and steal it away. We talked about uh, that, that uh, our hearts, if, we've, if we identify with the path, right? That we have purposefully done something to harden that soil or to cover up that soil, to, to harden our hearts or, or to cover our hearts, whether through anger or guilt. We talked about that, and we talked about that, that, that God wants, wants that soil re-exposed, that we have to start doing some hard work of, uh, of, of breaking apart those walls and, and, and breaking that path that, is, that we have put in place to cover ourselves up, or that, that we need to start tilling and, 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 and grinding away at that dirt, breaking up that hardened soil, letting it go, releasing it, exposing it again so that fertile soil is exposed and when that seed hits it, it can begin to grow again. And I know some of you in, in this room identified with that. Still others in this room may identify with tonight. 
So if you brought your books with you, we're uh, on Tuesday night. You got a pen, you can write in there. If not, take notes on your phone. Others of you got memories like a steel trap. And so just remember everything. Tonight we're talking about a soil, as it mentions in the parable, that is full of rocks and stones and is shallow. When I read this parable and I, and I examine each one of these soils, I try to think about it as if it were my yard, right? And I think, okay, like, so what area of my yard has lots of rocks and really shallow soil? Nothing really grows there. If it does, in this heat, it just gets scorched. Those are the areas of my yard that are totally unprepared. That are, that are totally untouched by me. It's typically the corner of the fence. It's down by some weird electrical box thing that who knows what it does. I think it belongs to the city, but it's in my backyard. The areas that go untouched, that are, that are unprepared, that, that haven't even begun the process of making themselves fertile. They're not really trampled on. They're not walked on. It's not hard by any means. It's just an area that I don't pay any attention to. It's rocks. It's shallow. It's just, it's just untended, completely done. It's there. Because if I wanted to grow something, I would probably move the rocks out of the way. I would probably make sure there's plenty of soil there, that it's really rich and it's well moisturized. People hate that word, right? But, but soil that's full of rocks and shallow has just been untended. It's been unprepared. Nobody's paying attention to it. It's unexperienced. Nobody has gone in and done the, the work of preparing the soil. It's been unencountered by any workers. That's what this soil is. It's a shallow soil. And what Jesus says happens in this shallow soil is that there's soil there and seeds fall in it and, and they start to grow. They sprout up quickly even. But as soon as the troubles of the world come, as soon as the sun comes up, it scorches whatever little thing started to grow because there's, there's no roots there. The plant can't get enough nutrients, can't hold enough water. And as soon as trouble comes, as soon as the worries of the world come, it can't hold up, and it's gone, just like that. It, as I see it, there are two things that really um, prepare this soil, right? Because if it's an unprepared soil, if you find yourself in this shallow place, uh, the work we need to do is preparation, right? We need, we need to move the rocks out of, out of the way. We need to deepen the soil, so that seed can take root. And that is two things. And the first is this. It starts with an experience. That's part of the parable, right? The seed falls in and there's an experience. Something happens, it grows, it shoots up quickly. You have to have an experience. And to illustrate this, I want to talk about a guilty pleasure of mine. I love donuts. I, every Sunday morning on my way to church, 
I stop by Sunshine Donuts over there on Broad Street, and I get donuts. Uh, I go there so often that they know me when I walk in, which is embarrassing. If you've reached this level in your life, there's, it's time to make a change. And so I, I love donuts. I just do that. Something about fried fat and sugar in, in this shape is <laughs> just delicious. And, and when I first started working at this church, right, um, when uh, Pastor David uh, asked me to come be on staff here at this church uh, eight years ago, oh, uh, I, at the time... <laughs> Sorry, mini meltdown. At the time, I, I lived in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, and <laughs> I tried to hold that one in, but I heard somebody over here have the little... <laughs> I, I live... <laughs> Texas. I lived, I lived in Fort Worth and I would commute. I would commute every morning um, here to Mansfield and uh, especially Sunday mornings. And Sunday mornings I had to have my... Yes. Now, they don't have them here in Mansfield, but um, on my way over here... Uh, don't worry, there's no sledgehammers over here. Um, on my way to Mansfield from Fort Worth, I would pass the temple... Of donuts. I don't know if anybody has seen this box before. Has anybody seen this box before? Has anybody not seen this box before? We will pray for you. (laughs) If somebody will be in silent prayer right now for this young man. (laughs) On my drive from Fort Worth, I would I would stop by Krispy Kreme Donuts. Now, Krispy Kreme, mm. (laughs) sorry, (laughs) donuts, donuts are such a good thing. And if any of you have ever spent any time in Sunday school, you know, when donuts are in church, they're like 10 times better, right? (laughs) Right? Like donuts are good, but when, when they're inside a church building, sometimes they get holier, eh, they got holes in them. (laughs) I'm going to highlight that joke and say it worked. (laughs) They taste so much better. They do in church. So I'm a little nervous holding this up here right now. Y'all stay back. Uh, In 1937, Krispy Kreme was born. Right? It was born in North Carolina. And the guy originally, when he had Krispy Kremes, he took them to grocery stores and he sold them out of grocery stores. And you know what? Donuts are much better when they're fresh and hot, right? And and so he started selling them out of his storefront, just for people walking by on the street. Donuts, right? You could smell them, and the people are just drawn in to the donuts. If you've ever been to a Krispy Kreme or driven by a Krispy Kreme, you know that when there's a little neon sign, yeah, when it flashes and it says what? Hot donuts now, right? When you see that sign, I don't care what you're doing. You come to a screeching halt in your car. You whip into Krispy Kreme. I just ate a huge steak dinner. I am not even close to hungry, but I need donuts. 
<laughs> let's stop and let's get donuts. And if, who's been in a Krispy Kreme before, right? Isn't it amazing when they're making them? You can see them being made. You see these donuts just going down this conveyor belt, and then this just oozy glaze just pouring over them. And you're just like, oh, my God. Part of me wants to just lay on that conveyor belt and just. <laughs> but I assume that glaze is pretty hot. It's <laughs> my assumption. Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme makes this promise. It says, we will continue to make the best tasting. It's right there. We will continue to make the best tasting, highest quality products because that's what you expect and deserve. And that's what we expect of ourselves. Krispy Kreme donuts. You can get chocolate donuts. Any chocolate donut fans? You can get donuts with sprinkles on them. Those are kind of complicated. You can get a a cruller. Not sure how to spell that, so I don't want to eat it either. But everybody knows that if you're going to get Krispy Kreme donuts, right, that you got to get the glazed donuts. That's just the original. Yeah. Give it up for the glazed donuts. The original, no fluff, and their glaze is so good it doesn't need anything else. Glazed donuts. Yes. Glazed donuts. Now, if you were to leave this place tonight and you were to call Krispy Kreme's hotline, 800-4-CRISPY, with a, with a K. If you were to call them, there's a button you can push that says, we want to hear about your experience. And if you were to go and say, guess what? This preacher talked about you. I heard all about Krispy Kreme. I know that y'all started in 1937. How about that? I could tell you everything about you because I heard all about it. I even heard how good it was. If you were to call them up, that, that wouldn't get this person that's on the line like, oh my gosh, hold on. They're like dialing this number to the board and they're like, hey, guess what? Somebody's heard of us. And the board members are running around crazy like, oh my gosh. There's like 200 people that know all kinds of stuff about us. That's so exciting, everybody. That's great. Their brains are full of tons of information. They heard about our promise. They even, I don't know, saw. (laughs) Stay back. They even saw. Okay, I'll stop torturing you. Don't have to look at it. They even saw some donuts. But Krispy Kreme, Krispy Kreme does not exist so that you can know about them. Krispy Kreme doesn't exist so that you can fill your heads with all sorts of information. (laughs) That you can burn this image into your skull. Krispy Kreme exists so that you'll take one of their donuts 
and you'll put it in your mouth. I would like I would like everybody to say a big thank you to Brian. Give it up for Brian who got all these donuts for us. His office is right near Krispy Kreme and he picked them all up for us and brought them here. So thank you so much Brian for doing that. Krispy Kreme isn't happy until you've experienced the beauty of their donuts. It's an experience. That's what it's about right? Now that you have your mid-sermon snack, as, as Nathan so coined, it's about the experience. It's not enough just to know. It's not enough just to see. It's about experience. It's about actually tasting. It's about touching. It's about feeling. It's about experience. And that's where this whole thing starts. It starts with experience. But here's the problem. That's not where it stops. It doesn't stop with experience. See, that's what uh, the, the shallow soil does. That donut's still in my mouth. That's what the shallow soil does is it has an experience and then it can't go any further. It can't go any deeper. And so when worries and troubles of the world happen, it goes away. That beautiful life that sprung up so quickly and so beautifully leaves. I've experienced this many times in my life. As a high school student, I went on mission trips I did the very same things that you were doing. I had worship that blew my mind. It was not as good as this. But it was still great. Because like we said, worship on mission trip is different. It was great. I, I felt something. I experienced something. And I had that moment where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to change. I'm going to be different. I felt like I saw God this week. I felt like I experienced him. And then all of a sudden, I get home. And the trouble of the world is back. And that beautiful thing that I felt, that I experienced, gets scorched and withers and it dies. One of our interns, Lauren, some of you know Lauren. Uh, she preached a sermon today 
that uh, I unfortunately did not get to hear, but I heard it was amazing. And uh, last night I saw her working on her sermon, and I had a few words in here, and and she said a word that she was going to use, so I don't know if you actually did or not, um, but uh, congratulations, you changed part of my sermon. That... That word came in because I thought it was so perfect. She said, I was like, that, that completely describes what this is. That after the experience, we must endure. It's not enough to just experience, but we must endure. And endurance takes discipline. It takes discipline. And, and this is why it's so hard to do. Because we don't like discipline. Uh, if you are an athlete of any sort, you play tennis, you play football, you play basketball, you swim, etc., etc., golf, whatever, you understand the importance of discipline. You understand the importance of, of practice and, and, and workouts and, and watching your diet, even when nobody else is. Just go with it. (laughs) You understand if you're trying to do really well in school, the importance of of endurance when it comes to studying, when everybody else is out. When you feel like, you know, I I know enough to get by. I'll I'll make a B. I'll probably make an A. I don't know. But that's not good enough. I want to do better. It takes endurance. It takes discipline. That discipline is what allows you to have the endurance to keep going. There's a, a guy in the Bible. His name is Paul. Not this Paul. Although he's close. Uh, there's a guy named Paul in the Bible. And you can read about this particular story in the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Um, and in Acts uh, chapter 9, you read the story of an experience that Paul had. At the time, his name was Saul. And Saul, very, very smart individual, knew a lot about God. And he heard about this guy named Jesus, and he thought this guy was up to no good. Right? And all these people that called themselves Christians, that that followed after the way of this Jesus, he felt like they needed to be punished. That... That uh, And it was his job to do that. And so Paul, he's on this road, right? And he's heading down to this place and he wants to tell these people that are Christians where, where they can stick their Christianity. What he's about to do to them. That he's going to intimidate them. He's going to hurt them. To make them not Christian anymore. And he's on this road and this blinding light happens and he falls off his horse and he's blinded. And he hears a voice to him. Paul, why are you persecuting me? Later on in this story, Paul is in the house of a man named Ananias. Um, And long story short, you can read it, Acts chapter 9. That Paul is baptized as a Christian. And he regains his sight. Now, I don't know about you, but if that happened to me, that's quite an experience. 
that's quite an experience to be blinded by this light, to hear the voice of God, to have this man pray over me, to baptize me, and then all of a sudden to be able to see again. That's quite an experience that Paul had. See, Paul knew a lot about God. He had the knowledge. He had the information in his brain. He had the experience. And for those of you you that know uh, a little bit about Paul, you know that Paul wrote a large, the majority of the New Testament. He's he's the, the biggest contributor to the New Testament. Much of our Bible that we read was written by Paul. And you know what? That wouldn't exist. That wouldn't be there. Paul would have never written any of that stuff had he stopped at experience. Had he had that experience and said, you know what? That is amazing. And I just, you know, I, I'm, thank, thank you for baptizing me. This was an incredible experience. My life has changed. And then was to walk out those doors back into the troubles of the world. And the people that he had to answer to, they're like, Paul, what's the deal? I thought you were going to teach these Christians a lesson. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll go back to the way I was before. We wouldn't talk about Paul. Paul wouldn't be written into this sermon. But the reason he is is because Paul had the knowledge, he had the experience, and then he persevered. He endured. He took that experience as a catalyst, as a start, as a launching point into a new life, a new direction. He deepened that soil so that 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 little sprout that happened, that seed that sprouted up in that moment had enough room in his heart to take root, to grow down deep. And Paul then produced so much fruit. Still producing fruit today, not alive anymore. And we're reading his words, we're hearing his story, and it's planting seeds in our hearts. Mission trip, United Mission Week. That's an incredible experience. You coming here, working hard with each other for people that you didn't know prior to this, with people you may not have known prior to this, coming to worship every night, singing songs you may not have heard before, having that experience. And I know some of you are having that talk with yourself each and every night. Like, man, this is something big. Something big is going on inside of me. I can feel it. I don't feel like I've ever been in the presence of God before, but I feel it now. And I think I'm going to be different. I want to be different. I want to change. That's an experience and it's an incredible experience, but it's only a start. If we want those roots to take hold, if we want that life to grow up and begin producing fruit, if we want to be part of bringing about the kingdom of God, growing up the kingdom of God, if we want to begin producing that fruit and spreading our own seed of truth, then we have to endure. 
have to find that discipline. We have to find it within ourselves to stay connected with our God and not let the worries of the world when we leave this place, because they will come flooding back. You're like sheltered in here, right? This is like a little bubble in the church. All you have to worry about is getting up, eating, using a hammer or a paintbrush, coming back, sitting in worship, going to bed. It's really easy routine. But when you get back out there, it's all the other stuff. Not all bad, it's just stuff. And pretty soon the worries of the world can just scorch that experience. And you could find yourself a month or two from now thinking, yeah, mission trip was pretty cool, I guess. That's my prayer for you tonight. Maybe that's been you in the past. Maybe it's been you in the past to have that experience and, and, and to let it just end there. My prayer for you tonight is that, that we learn discipline. That we understand that it, it doesn't end with an experience, but that we must endure if we want to be part of growing that kingdom. If we truly want to grow tall and produce that fruit, that we must endure. It starts with experience but it continues with endurance. We're going to pray and we're going to have our reflection time an opportunity for you to respond, whether it's in prayer, uh, whether it's words that you want to write, the way God's speaking to you tonight, the way that he spoke to you today. Maybe something happened on the, on the, on the work site today that really spoke to you. What are the words that God has for you tonight? Let's pray. Gracious and heavenly God, we thank you for another day. Another day where we get to pour ourselves out physically, emotionally, spiritually, God. Pour ourselves out, God, because you called us to love. You called us to love you with all of our being, with everything that we have. And you called us to love others. God, we seek to do that. And in this place, God, as we've been here for the past couple days, as we've sang songs, God, as we've worked out in in the sun and sweat, God, we've had an amazing experience and there's still more to come. What you have in store for us is great, God, and and we're soaking it in. But we pray tonight, God, that this just doesn't become another experience, that it doesn't end here. God, that the truth that you speak to us tonight, God, the love that that we have received the grace that we now know, God, that it doesn't end here. That we find the strength to endure past this week. That we strive and long, God, to keep moving past just this experience. That we see this mission week is is not the end, but as the beginning. The beginning of something big. 
that you're going to do in us. We humbly come to you tonight, God, in an opportunity to reflect on the many ways that you speak to us. God, to let those roots grow down deep and take hold. In your name we pray. Amen.